So we're on Revelation 13. We're going to conclude the series. Let me just get a handle on the time just so that I can finish at a reasonable hour. We've got, we've done part one of Revelation 13, which really was just building up to today. So thanks for coming back. We looked at the fact that I was presenting what's called the idealist view of Revelation. Don't worry about that title. We're going to look at lots of those a little later. The idealist view, which reads Revelation, all of it from chapter 4 onwards, as broad brushstrokes. Just, just a big pictures using imagery familiar at the time to talk about the entire church age from Jesus' first coming to his second coming. So dealing with all of that in a repeated style, if we looked at the whole book, using broad brushstrokes. And so, but today I'm going to do something different a bit later. We're going to look at all four ways of reading Revelation. Because, you know, you may be standing there thinking, that's okay, but I don't follow that method. So today we're going to apply all four methods to those crucial verses 17, 16, 17, and 18. But for now, on the idealist view, we said that the dragon is a picture of the devil. He, the cohort he calls out of the sea is a picture of political force or political powers. And he uses them with devastating consequences against the church. He says that he, can, he uses ungodly governments established by God. The one thing we said last week, we're not anti-government. Okay? God establishes governments. But that's not to say that the devil can't hijack and use them against the church. And even good governments, we saw last time, didn't we? How a good US government uh, can have policies and legislation that subvert the standard of God unwittingly. You know, I don't doubt that Biden is out to undermine Christian principles. I don't think that is the case. But nevertheless, some of his uh, legislations are doing that. So Satan can use even good governments against God's purposes. Now today, we're looking at the second beast, okay? So the second beast is in disguise. Okay, what should, that, what should that tell you straight away about the second beast? He's in disguise and therefore he is extremely dangerous. At least the first one was obvious. Okay, this one's in disguise, extremely dangerous. Here's, what's set up. Here's what we learn about him. Firstly, the description. Here's what the beast looks like, 11 and 12. Then I saw another beast coming out of the earth. He had two horns like a lamb, but spoke like a dragon. So the first beast out of the sea we said was the sea for the Israelites was about chaos and strife. This one is from the earth, perhaps symbolic of the fact that it's in opposition to everything heavenly. So something that is contrary or uh, polarized to God. And this is how we know he's in disguise because what do you notice about him? He had two horns like a lamb. When you think of the lamb in scripture, who do you think of? Jesus. Jesus. He's a lamb of God, isn't he? So he looks like Jesus, but when he spoke, so, so he, his main weaponry is what? Is, is something that is communicating. I think that's the point here. He looks like Jesus, but when he communicates, you discern that he is the devil. He's an agent of the devil. So this second beast is an agent of the devil, but it looks like an agent of God or even the Christ. So the, the point here is he's out to deceive. 
This makes him more dangerous than the first one because he looks authentic. He looks trustworthy. The most dangerous opponents of the church are those that appear to be trustworthy. And here's what Jesus says about wolves in false, sorry, sheeps in wolves' clothing. Wolves in sheep's clothing. <laughs> Matthew 7. Is watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they're ferocious wolves. And Revelation 19. When the beast was captured, with him the false prophets who performed the miraculous signs. When you put them together, you realize that the second beast is a false prophet. Or, and remember, it's a broad stroke. So the second beast is anything, force or persons or movements or governments that utters or communicates false things about God that appear to be true things about God. That's the point here. He appears to be speaking for Jesus or communicating for Jesus, but he's actually communicating for the devil. That's how we understand it. So, verse 12, this is, the, this is the power he has. So, essentially, false religions, false ideologies or flawed ideologies. Here's the power that he has. He exercised all the authority of the first beast on, on his behalf and made the earth and its inhabitants worship the beast whose fatal wound had been healed. Here's a reality. Look, if you've got crazy ideas, false or otherwise, okay, they're pretty safe. I mean, if Brenton has a crazy idea, you know, like one a minute, okay? If he has a crazy idea, he, he, he's not going to do much with that. Just some, you know, crazy guy who lives in Athelstan. That's all it is. Nobody will take any notice of him. I don't. Okay? Right. But you put a guy with crazy ideas and associate him with power, state power, because remember these two dragons are working together, you now have a potent machine of warfare. I think that's all we, we have to see here. This is what Gary Benfold said. It says, this second beast represents particularly religion or false ideology that is tied closely to state power. Can you see? When you put them two together, is, see, this is when you get a potent force against God's people. And so, the first audience, the Jews, who lived, so John's audience have lived in the first century, he probably writes towards the end of his life when he's on, at, on, he's on Patmos. They've had, what, what have they had, already had, and why is John on Patmos for the last few decades? They've had the state, the Roman Empire, hound them from house to house. You, you see, what you got there is a brilliant, potent combination of flawed ideology, the Roman Empire with this ideology, uh, ideology of, of bringing people together under various gods. You can, have a, you can worship any god you want, so long as you respect all the other gods of everybody else. So you have false ideology coupled with state power. And if we know anything about the first 300 years of Christianity, the Roman Empire did untold misery to the people of God. I think I've got a picture, Greg, haven't we? Look, I mean, that's an artist's impression of the type of what happens when you get flawed ideology mixed with state power. You can virtually eradicate the church, except we weren't eradicated, were we? So how much power does this second beast have? Coupled with the first, immense. Secondly, 
Uh, notice how he uses the, the, uh, his power. The power of the beast and how he sues, verses 13 to 17. Th four points. First of all, he beguiles by the use of the spectacular. And he performed great and miraculous signs, even causing fire to come down from heaven in full view of men. Because of the signs he was given power to do on behalf of the first beast, he deceived the inhabitants of the earth. So again, brush, broad brush strokes. I think the point being made is false religions, flawed ideologies, can sometimes muster or use supernatural force. I know we imagine, don't we, if we hear of the supernatural, then it's God, isn't it? If we hear it, take a church, I mean, I'm a bit of key here, key here, take a church and we hear of great miracles happening, our assumption is, this is a great move of God and that is a man of God. Do you remember what, do you remember what Moses, happened in Moses' day? Every, almost every trick that Moses pulled out of his bag, what did the, what did the, what did the magicians of Egypt do? real magic by men or women opposed to God so the first point here just whilst I'm on the note of churches just because a church boasts about the miraculous it doesn't authenticate it as a church we understand that don't we just because it boasts of the miraculous it doesn't mean it's a bona fide church of Christ but just go back on cue here uh, this is this is false religions or, or flawed ideologies coupled with state power, sometimes using the spectacular. I think the point is that sometimes we can witness things that seem extraordinary and can therefore, therefore be used by the devil to beguile. Secondly, he sets up a personality cult. Verse 14, he ordered them to set up an image in honour of the beast who was wounded by the sword and yet lived. One of the things you see about false religions, false or flawed ideologies, they're almost always centered around their personality. Hey, it's a dangerous thing to have a big personality as a leader. Seriously. You know, we can be influential over people's lives just because of the personality. And so here we see, I mean, and this is particularly the Roman Empire. Uh, emperors rather again the first century Christians would have read these verses and straight away they went their minds went to people like Nero who claimed to be the savior of the world or or Augustus who claimed he was like one of the gods or at the time that John wrote most probably the emperor was Demetian and this is what he said of himself that he is Lord and God and I remember once performing a wedding uh, and uh, I, was, it was, I was performing it alongside another pastor. It was his daughter. And in his prayer, he, he got his paws wrong. And he, said, and he prayed for me. And he says, uh, we pray for Lord Montaz. <laughs> and, uh, and for a moment, that was a great personality. It didn't last long. Okay? But it was, it was all anybody could talk about at the reception afterwards. Uh, people bowing to me all day long. It was great. I can live with that. Carson talks about Don Carson when he preaches in, 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 a big, you know, in a big church countries like Southern Korea. Because after he finished preaching in one of these big churches, he goes, they line up 
so they can walk through a line of security guards. They escort him and sit him in the limousine waiting for him. He gets driven through the streets with flags on his car and police officers make way through the streets of South Korea for the pastor of this church and Don Carson sitting in the limousine to make way for him. Carson says afterwards, I could get used to that. You can identify false ideologies, sometimes at least, I'm not suggesting no one is, okay, that are coupled with state power because they almost always revolve around personalities. Personalities. May we never, I don't know what kind of personality I have, but may we never be a church that sucks in people because of personalities. It's dangerous, Christian. Dangerous. But this is tied to state power. The next one, he uses terror tactics. Another key mark of uh, flawed ideologies of false religions, the use of terror tactics. He uses, he was given power to give breath to the image of the first beast so that he could speak and cause all who refuse to worship the image to be killed. The early Christians again saw this, didn't they? The Roman Empire used incredible, incredible terror tactics to try and uh, settle or contain the church. We've seen it in our age. I mean, we don't have to mention some of the big religions of the world and the use of terror tactics in order to advance their cause. One of the key marks of a flawed ideology or false religion that Revelation is telling us we'll see time and time again in the church age is these movements almost always revert, resort rather, to terror tactics in order to create adherence. The church. How is the church to function? This is, this is us, the sweet demarcation, the mark insignia of the church, because Jesus tells us our insignia, our tool, if you like, is, Matthew 4, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. Do you know what caused the, a great proportion of conversions in the early church from the Roman world? It's when they witnessed the church's response to terror tactics. How they were gracious, loving, forgiving. Christians. It's, I know it seems weakness, doesn't it? But it's our strongest, strongest tool, weapon in a warfare against darkness. It's to love our enemies. To do good to those who persecute us, use us. To not retaliate. May that continue to be our mark. So, so the mark of a flawed ideology or, or false religion is the use of terror tactics. And lastly, lastly, and this is what we've been building up to, okay? He uses economic... Do you know, my voice is drying up. Could I trouble somebody? To get me a drink, please. Thank you. Hey, he uses economic control. A mark of flawed ideology of false religion coupled with state power. You can only do it with state power, you see. It's the two beasts working together is the use of economic control. Economic control. Listen to these verses. This is where it gets really interesting. He also forced everyone, small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark 
on his right hand or on his forehead so that no one could buy or sell unless oh thank you Catherine no one could buy I, I, I was gonna ask for a glass really but that'll be okay this personality obviously has no following or no influence does he okay I can't even get a glass of water thanks Catherine okay uh, so that no one could buy or sell unless he had the mark which is the name of the beast the number of his name so these are these verses are doing the rounds big time out there I don't know how how much you've heard of them look but as a pastor everybody assumes I've got all the time in the world to watch every YouTube video going and every article going seriously I can only read and watch so much and look after church and prepare my sermons you're welcome to send them to me but I can't watch them all really you know and uh, but I do try I do try and get a, a scan of what's coming on and look you know I've been getting them I'm sure you've been getting them these verses are doing the rounds no one could buy or sell unless he had the mark which is the name of the beast the number of his name so what do we do with these verses are they talking about our present reality has 90% of this church already had the mark of the beast seriously you know because this is what's going around so let's look at the verses I want to ask legitimately this is this isn't this isn't just uh, this is serious okay this is authentic biblical exegesis and we're asking I'm seriously asking is what's going on out there the COVID the state uh, and the vaccine is that what these verses are referring to and any serious students of the Bible have to at least ask the question you know you know could this in any of the readings relate to what's happening in our church so so far you know we're looking at the idealist view which is looking at broad brushstrokes what I'm going to do now just to, just to show you we've been fair is I'm going to try and preach this from every angle from the preterist angle from the historicist angle from the futurist angle and from the who's also the last one idealist angle so we so this is how you would how you would approach these verses exegetically from whatever camp you hold and the question we're asking is from whatever view we take any of the four mainstream views do any of them link COVID the vaccine and our government the state with the mark of the beast and the restrictions of trade you know can we through any somersault get there so let's have a look and you decide for yourself I'm going to try and present this to you as fairly as I can firstly the prejudice view so the prejudice view holds we'll get a little description there thank you everything within the book has already occurred in the first few decades of the church only the return of Christ is future so the early readers of John who held this this form of reading the book of Revelation um, and like I said these four views are almost all the only way you can read the Revelation almost everybody's agreed there's only really those four ways so the preterists so they would have read these verses as relating to the Roman Empire and as far as the early readers of Revelation who held this view were concerned all of these verses apart from the return of Jesus all related to what the Roman Empire was doing so the mark that they believe the mark of the beast 
because they believed the emperors were the antichrists because they called themselves God. They set themselves up as God. They believed that the mark of the antichrist, well, think about it before the picture comes up. If the emperor was the antichrist, the beast, where did they find his mark? Are you thinking of buying and selling? Where was he? was on his coin. Thank you, Graham. So those who held the prejudice view believed that the mark of the beast was money, coins. And therefore, the reason you couldn't buy and sell, because if you used coins, you would effectively take in the mark of the beast. But without coins, you couldn't buy and sell. So can you see, so if you hold to the prejudice view, you, then you have to acknowledge that all of this took place way back in the first century. The mark of the beast was the, was the coins with the, with the image of the gods of the time, the emperors, and therefore none of that can relate to COVID. So the first point we're saying is that if you hold to the preterist view, then you cannot relate any revelation to COVID because it all took place in the early history of the church. So that puts that aside. I'm sure you agree that Preterist doesn't believe COVID vaccine is the mark of the beast. Secondly, secondly, we'll go to the historicist view. The historicist view looks at Revelation in this, in this way. And Nikki asked last week, didn't she, can, can we hold all four views? The reality is there's movement between the four views. They're not like strictly, you know, demarcated. You know, there's overlap, and the historicists and the futurists are closely associated, even to the idealists to some degree. So they believe everything within the book pinpoints to actual historical or future events, such as the collapse of the Western Roman Empire, the rise of the papacy, the Protestant Reformation, and the expansion of the European colonial empires. Okay? On the historicist view, does that, can that be pinpointed to covid well, possibly, possibly, okay? Now, I'm going to link the historicist view with the futurist view because they hold similar lines. So let me just go on to the futurist and then we'll try and link the two and ask if they can relate to COVID because I'm saying possibly, possibly. So the futurists believe that everything beyond chapter 3 is future and literal. It's all to do with the end times, all of it to do with the last times. And because many of them believe we're in the last times, they believe these signs have already begun. So they believe these are that the things of revelation, and look, when I say they, you may be some of them, uh, that they read everything as literal virtue, almost everything. So there's a real 666. There's a, there's a beast. It might, the beast may not be real, but he's a real antichrist. Uh, they believe there's a real thousand year, for example, if you're an idealist, you believe that the thousand-year reign of Jesus is now, it's the church age. But if you're a futurist, you believe that the thousand-year reign of Jesus is a literal thousand years at the end of time. So they're the futurists, and that, this is a typical Pentecostal position, by the way. So the futurists believe that almost everything is literal. So in that reading, can you get COVID and the vaccine? associated with these verses. Well, let's look at it together. So the futurists and the historicists to a degree believe that the mark of the beast is, is the mark of some demonic antichrist figure that will come at the end of time. Some person or some force or some movement. Hence why some believe he is Bill Gates. Have you heard that? Some believe, seriously, you might think, you, I'm, you might laugh, but this is doing the rounds, okay? And Christians believe it. 
Hence what we're doing this sermon. Okay, so some believe that the beast is Bill Gates or the state or Bill Gates and the state or the state and China or whatever you may think it is. Okay, so, so some who hold to this view, and not everybody, but some who hold to this view, believe someone like Bill Gates is the beast and therefore the mark of the beast is what Gates is trying to because he's behind Pfizer, I think it is, is what Gates is trying to push onto you. So, so the vaccine is his mark. It's, can you see the point? Can you see what the, the logic they're getting? He's the beast, the vaccine is his mark, and therefore they're doing everything possible to resist the vaccine and to help everybody else resist the vaccine. So is there any substance to that? I don't want to just ridicule that and just laugh at it. You know, we're asking, can you really get there? Do the verses really point to that? Is Bill Gates, is the state the beast, is the vaccine the mark of the beast in the reading of the futurists and the historicists? Well, I'm going to try and answer it in three ways. I can't be extensive when I've got time. You'll be asleep if you're not already sleeping. Okay, firstly, let me say this to you. There is not a single reputable theologian in the world who holds the futurist view or other view, who, in, who endorses the claim, okay, that the mark of the beast is a vaccine. Here's what one theologian says, I know of no reputable scholar. So, Christian, if any of us hold the view that those verses in Revelation 13 associate with people like Gates and the vaccine, they are not the views of theologians. It's the first point we need to understand. These are not men or women who have taken the trouble and the time and the expense to study theology, to be recognised as men or women who are authorised or recognised by churches or otherwise who have the ability to handle scripture. Rather, by and large, those views have done the rounds through who knows who in front of a computer uploaded to YouTube who are demonstrating that they have little respect for scripture and according to 2 Timothy 2.15 who are not correctly handling the word of truth. Those who are, who are proposing these views are not exegeting scripture. They, do not, they are not theologically recognized. There is no theologically recognized respected theologian in the world who is saying that the COVID vaccine is the mark of the beast. YouTube can be a very, very dodgy means. And let me, I'm going to say something here. If you're getting your theology Christian through YouTube, it's, it's, it's rocky ground. Because you have no idea of the qualification or, or the ability of these men and women and what, or what, what theological training they've had, what institution backs them, what church recognises their authority. You know, there was a time when to get a, become a pastor, a church had to recognise your, your gifting and your skills and, and your qualifications in order to teach. Now all you have to do is put an iPhone in front of you and upload it into YouTube and you've got a church. And I hear the most ridiculous things from people saying, oh, such and such it says, and my response is, well, who the heck is he? What church recognises his, his ability to teach? What theological institution has he trained at? 
Can you see the point? Beware, Christian, of, of, of getting your theology and teaching through YouTube. So there's no reputable theologian who will say, who was endorsed in anywhere like it, that this is to do Revelation 13. Number one. Secondly, friends, fears about the mark of the beast, okay, have been going around since the, since the Revelation. We're not the only... Do you know what it is? We're so self-centered, aren't we? That we think the whole universe has led to our time. We all think that, don't we? Everything in Revelation is happening now, in our time. You know, we, 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 this is it. You know, we're the most important people in history. Everything is unraveling today. Do you know, they've been thinking the mark of the beast, you know, has been around since Revelation was written. Do you know in the 1720s, when, when the vaccine for smallpox was going around, okay, so this vaccine thing today is nothing new. When the vaccine for smallpox was going around, a Putin pastor was advocating it. I've got a picture of him here, quick. A Putin pastor was advocating it. Do you know, other Christians holding to the futurist position were bombarding him with accusations, saying that the vaccine, this is 1720, that the vaccine for smallpox was the mark of the beast. Sound familiar to what's happening today? You see, the vaccine for smallpox left a small mark on your body. And they began to say that the state is the beast and the vaccine is the mark of the beast. And they were ridiculing or trying to stop people having it. They even bombed the house of that pastor because he was advocating it. <laughs> I'm afraid to say go and have the vaccine in case one of you blow my house, blows my house off. Seriously. It's nothing new what's happening today in our world. And, and you know what that vaccine, or you know, what has that vaccine done for smallpox in our world? Almost eradicated it. So all this stuff going around about the mark of the beast being the government or Bill Gates and the vaccine being the mark, and the, rather, it's nothing new. They've been doing it ever since the world been turning it's all old history so the second thing is this is nothing new they've been saying it ever since the beginning thirdly and the, the last thing i want to look at on this point is in in the futurist reading of these verses you have to concede that the mark of the beast is precisely what it sounds like what does that what does a mark of the beast sound like in english sounds like a mark Okay, it doesn't sound like a vaccine. Okay, it sounds like a mark. And the reason for this, the reason for this, if I can just get back to my notes, is because the Greek here, the Greek here means a mark or an inscription. Oh, can you see the Greek word there? I can't find it in my notes there. Okay, cheragma. Okay, there's the Greek word. Okay, cheragma. It means, this is what it means, it's an impression a concavity in a surface produced by pressing with a stamp or with a brand. With a stamp or with a brand. Can you see what the mark... See, if you're, if you're a futurist, and so you're reading these things are literal, okay, there is no way you can connect an injection with what the Greek means in Revelation 13. The Greek means that this is a branding, an impression. The picture is a picture taken from what you did to cattle. You marked them. What did that mark demonstrate? It marked ownership. Thank you. Marked ownership. Here's what a 
theologian, not a YouTuber, a theologian says. It usually refers to a work of art such as carved image of, of a god, a written inscription, an impress, a seal of the emperor, for example, this is what they would have been thinking, or a brand on a camel indicating ownership. If you hold to a futurist position, then the injection cannot be confused with a mark. This is a sealing, it's a branding, it's something visible. And the idea behind it, as this commentator says here, it demonstrates ownership. Ownership. So here's my point. The mark of the beast on any futurist reading or historicist reading cannot be an injection. It's an actual mark of some nature that brands and it demonstrates ownership. Even, even, the, even the reason behind the vaccine, Bill Gates or other state is not claiming ownership of those who take the vaccine, as this suggests that they are. So, let me go to the idealist view. If it's not the mark of the beast, and if it's not the beast, sorry, if the vaccine is not the mark of the beast, and Bill Gates is not the beast or the state, what are these verses saying? What are they saying? I want to show you, here's what I think, uh, for what it's worth. And I'm not, not a great personality, so you don't all have to follow me. Okay? But this is, this is a valid theological, and I'm not putting myself forward as a theologian. I'm not a theologian. A theologian is someone who has studied to at least a doctorate level and who's most probably lectured at the university or the Bible college, who's recognized by the world at large, has, has been in that position. It doesn't make me a theologian. When I handle the word of God and when I preach to you, I stand on the shoulders of theologians. I read them. I study them. I, I can spend many hours doing that and it's trying to collate the inf information. So, so I'm presenting to you the theological uh, idea behind the idealist position. And it is, here's what I think it is, reading the theologians that I read. This is how we read Revelation, that from chapter 3 onwards, it's broad brush strokes, and we're getting big picture. And again, you may disagree with this, because other theologians do, but broad picture of what happens in the church age, what happens in our world, what happens today. So here's how I'm reading 16 and 17. 16 and 17 are nothing more. Remember, the first piece is the state, the second piece is false ideologies. So 16 and 17 are nothing more than when false ideologies and the state get together, they can wield economical control. That's all that's been said here. And Christians have suffered from flawed ideology and state governments connecting together economically since this book was written. Well, what, what was it like for a first century Jew under Nero? Deadly. You, you, couldn't, you couldn't be part of a trade guild. I, know, I don't know how big unions are in, the UK, in here. In the UK, unions used to be quite big until they started you know, uh, dis uh, dissolving. But in that, in that time, you couldn't trade properly. You couldn't sell your wares unless you belonged to a union, a trade guild. But to belong to a trade guild, what did you have to do? You had to have the mark of the beast. You had to be under the emperor. You have to, you have to vow allegiance to the beast, to the, to the emperor, without which you could not trade properly. 
Okay, you can see how we looked then, and it's not just then. Even now, throughout our time, governments with false ideologies have used or exercised economic control over citizens. Christians who become who get the, the, the raw end of the deal because we won't bow to the state, we won't worship false gods, and in places like Pakistan and other places, you can't freely trade with your neighbours. You, you can't get official jobs. You see, I think that's all that's been said here. It's a broad picture of false ideology and the state using economic control to bring citizens under, under control. He forced everyone, small and great, rich and poor, free and slaves, to receive the mark of the beast. They couldn't buy or sell. Second thing I just want to say, the mark of the beast, again, I don't think it's literal. And here's the interesting thing. Let me ask you, I'm going to try this out. How many marks are there, how many marks are there in Revelation? How many sets of marks are there in Revelation? There's a the mark of the beast and... Yes and a mark of the seal of the people of God. So the first thing that all these, these great YouTubers are, are not acknowledging is that the Bible speaks of two marks, revelation rather. There's a mark of the beast, but there's a mark of the people of God, or the seal of the people of God. And I'll just show you something about the seal of the people of God of the mark. Revelation 7, Do not harm the land of the sea or the trees until we put a seal on the foreheads of the servants of God. Then I heard the number of those who were sealed, 144,000, which I believe is the church, but I haven't got time to go into that. So can you see here what's been said in Revelation 7? Revelation 7, and it's in 14, is telling us that there's another mark. It's the mark or the seal of God, and it's put on the foreheads of the servants of God. And all that seal does, it demonstrates ownership or allegiance. So everyone who belongs to God has a mark. And again, I believe it's an invisible mark. It's the seal of God on you. It's something that we all have. Every Christian is marked out for God. God, when he looks at you, sees an invisible seal. And if you read Revelation 7 like that, that this is just demonstrating who belongs to God, then Revelation 13, as an antithesis, antithesis to that, all that's doing is just an invisible marking of demonstrating all who belong to our adversary. Remember we said last time, there's only two groups of people in this world. Those whose names are in the Lamb's Book of Life and those whose names are not. All the mark is, I'm convinced, is just God's way of saying, this group of people belongs to me and this group of people belongs to... See, the thing about Satan, whatever God does, he copies or emulates, replicates. So he has his own, if God's got a mark, then he has a mark. Here's a sad reality. Every person out there has a mark impressed on their souls. It's not a COVID injection. It's an invisible mark, either given by our enemy to mark out those who belong to him and he has exercised his economical control over them, or it's a mark by God given to us to show we belong to God. And the last thing I want to say, I've got to finish, just very, very quickly. The mark of the beast, what is this, what's the number then? Look, the, this course of wisdom is number 666. So, again, in the historicist, in idealist view rather, 
this isn't literal so we're looking at this as general and here's how ideally so normally looking at this 666 isn't 666 rather it's six three times six 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 it's a spiritual number the number of God is said to be seven number of perfection number of what six if, if no if seven is perfection what six less than perfection it falls short of perfection can you see the point it, some people say it's a number of man because when was, when was Adam created on the sixth day oh, the devil fell short of God and so what 666 the number of the beast and all who follow him are inscribed by it may just just mean that it's a number that denotes that this person of being falls short of perfection and the reason it's in three times is like Isaiah 6 how many times is holy mentioned there God is holy 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 it's a number of emphasis or magnitude so all 666 may just be saying is that the devil is the ultimate faller shorter of that's funny ultimately falls short of God can you see the point he's six 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 can you see He's less than God. He's less than God. He's less than God. And therefore, all who receive the mark of the beast, every human outside of Jesus, perpetually and consistently falls short of the standard of God's seven. And look, that's just how we're reading Revelation. So, is Bill Gates and the state the beast? Not on any theologian's reading. No theologian says that. Is the vaccine the mark of the beast there's not a single theologian who agrees with that it's not even a mark as revelation and the greek says it should be so whatever you think about the vaccine i'm not here to tell you to have it or not to have it i'm a pastor not a not a uh, health advisor okay but i can tell you this it is not the mark of the beast according to scripture it is not and and it, let me as i close you know when i did that test on you earlier how many marks are there in revelation almost nobody knows that there are two marks of the beast and you know one sad thing that reveals that we are far too interested in the devil and what he's doing than we are sometimes in Jesus everybody knows about Revelation 13 and the mark of the beast but you're going to ask all these YouTubers what about the mark of God's people they haven't even read it so guys hey me included what does, you know, what does Paul say? focus on whatsoever is good whatsoever is lovely whatsoever is holy dwell upon these things if you want to think about a mark think about the mark of Jesus talk about that you're stamped with it you belong to him you're branded owned by Jesus revel in that okay rejoice in that and pray for those who are marked by the beast but don't talk about him don't talk about the devil do you know what makes me uncomfortable when I meet other Christians? When they start telling me about the devil and some of the stuff he's done to them. I don't, I don't like hearing that, you know, really. Tell me about Jesus and what he's doing with you. And let's keep our focus. And the last verse says that. What's our last verse? Let us run with perseverance the mar race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus. Amen? Amen. And we're going to sing about him now. He shall reign forevermore. He's the only name you need to have on your lips. He's the only one 
you need to be concerned about. There is one true story of a famous preacher woke up in the middle of the night and this is what he said. He saw the devil sitting at the bottom of his bed. And do you know his response? Oh, there are more Christians with this. Do you know his response? Do you know the story? He says, oh, it's only you. Turned around and went back to sleep. That's how you defeat the devil. You ignore him. And you focus on he who shall reign forevermore.